This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Freestyle Friday is upon us. Always a good time. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to getting a chance to hang out with you. Phone lines are open, 888-900-3393, 9-3. So CPAC is underway, and uh, as you know, and Trump just finished his speech a little while ago. Is it CPAC or is it TPAC? Trump Political Action Conference. Um, so yeah, TPAC. TPAC. I like that, actually. Trump at CPAC. And he gave a speech. It was pretty good. Uh, it was Well, it was, it was classic Trump. I mean, if you don't like Trump, you're not going to like this speech. You're going to think that he was talking about some crazy stuff and you know he does go off onto his own for sure and says things that i think a lot of us wouldn't necessarily if we were the commander-in-chief of the united states wouldn't necessarily go to he did not say take the oil which made me happy because that's one of the only times where i'm just like look we honestly can't we, we can't you know, people who go on tv and th- that's kind of a litmus test for me do you go on tv and you say yeah we should invade foreign countries and take their most valuable resource as payment for the invasion because that's not going to cause any problems. Uh, that's that's not going to look good. So, <laughs> but some people do, I think, defend that uh, or at least try to talk around it instead of just saying, "I would rather he not say that." It's not helpful. But he gave a good speech and he did the, the usual Trump thing. He started off with a lot of talk about the media he said that the media is not the enemy of the people just the fake news media play that clip please trump clarifies the media is not the enemy of the people just the fake news media and i want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news it's fake phony fake A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. Because they have no sources, they just make them up when there are none. I saw one story recently where they said nine people have confirmed. There are no nine people. I don't believe there was one or two people. Nine people. And I said, give me a break, because I know the people. I know who they talk to. There were no nine people, but they say nine people. 
and somebody reads it, and they think, oh, nine people, they have nine sources. They make up sources. They're very dishonest people. In fact, in covering my comments, the dishonest media did not explain that I called the fake news the enemy of the people, the fake news. They dropped off the word fake. And all of a sudden, the story became the media is the enemy. They take the word fake out. And now I'm saying, oh, no, this is no good. But that's the way they are. So I'm not against the media. I'm not against the press. I don't mind bad stories if I deserve them. And I tell you, I love good stories, but we won't go. <laughs> I don't get too many of them. From a, but from I a pure am, strategy point of oh. view, all right, we, yeah, from a pure strategy point of view, taking a completely openly and consistently oppositional tone to the media really makes sense for a Republican. Uh, when you have the most powerful, wide-reaching media outlets in the country, with one or two exceptions, all in opposition to the president, the president does himself no favors by trying to win their favor, by trying to get uh, on their good side. It's, it's just never going to happen. It's, it'll, be a, it'll always be a fool's errand. And I think that is why Trump, uh, Trump has an understanding here um, that he can just say what he wants to say about the media and it is in fact better for him than trying to placate them because he'll never placate them. They'll never like him. They'll never be friends. They'll never write positive things about him. They may try to encourage him to betray his base. They may give a little bit of a of a respite and even from criticism and even perhaps encourage him for a short while, but it always will eventually turn back into the blinding hatred that they currently have. So I thought Trump gave a good speech. It is also fascinating to watch journalists who, whenever Trump gives a speech and refers to the fake news, they, lose, they just lose it. Because uh, the most important thing is that someone is uh, describing their profession in unflattering terms or the way they conduct themselves in their profession in unflattering terms. Uh, this... The, the same press that Trump accuses of fake news doesn't understand how it looks when they go around reporting on how Donald Trump is trying to destroy the First Amendment uh, by saying that he, because he criticizes the media. That's not destroying the First Amendment, right? More, but this is what the left also, they expose themselves here because they're used to having control over arguments and debate. They get to pick the language, they get to pick the parameters, they get to... Uh, influence so much of it before any exchange of ideas truly happens. They do not believe in a marketplace of ideas that is free and open and fair where people can choose one side or the other. They want the outcome to be predetermined. They expect a president to genuflect to the First Amendment with, re with respect to the media and its role in the First Amendment. And Donald Trump just won't genuflect to the media. It doesn't mean he's going to destroy the First Amendment. And I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, like I can do anything about it, but we wouldn't, the American people wouldn't let him. No one's going to be okay. No, uh, none of the people that I know who are honest uh, Republicans and conservatives would stand by, would stand idly by while Donald Trump truly gutted the First Amendment. But we're also not going to be uh, shouted into pretending that he's gutting the First Amendment when he hasn't done anything. So there is that aspect of it. He also 
really outlined, there was a moment where he outlined his policy uh, very clearly or his approach to being the president when he said Trump, or rather when Trump gets a standing ovation, he says American citizens come first, we'll build a wall way ahead of schedule. Please play. The core conviction of our movement is that we are a nation that put and will put its own citizens first. You get the standing ovation here. You can hear the cheering. You can't see the standing ovation. For too long, we've traded away our jobs to other countries. So terrible. We've defended other nations' borders while leaving ours wide open. Anybody can come in. Oh, we're going to build the wall. Don't worry about it. We're building the wall. We're building the wall. In fact, it's going to start soon. Way ahead of schedule. Way ahead of schedule. Way ahead of schedule, he says. You also, I, I don't think we have this clip, but at one point, of course, Hillary came up and the crowd started chanting, lock her up, <laughs> lock her up. They haven't, they haven't forgotten, they haven't forgiven. Uh, lock her up for Hillary. No surprise there. Um, then went on to, to uh, talk a bit about the Middle East. And th- this is where some of us begin to, I, cringe is too strong, but just it's it's like watching your kid when he's or she's taking the training wheels off the bicycle for the first time, and you kind of give them that push. You know, you're proud and you're happy, but there's also part of it's like I don't know how this is gonna go. That's what it's like when Trump starts going into media's policy. At least for me, I'm like, oh no, here we go. This could be scary. So uh, let's just let's have the let's have uh, President Trump say it himself. Trump on the Middle East. If our presidents would have gone to the beach for 15 years, we would be in much better shape than we are right now. Please play. In the Middle East, we've spent as of four weeks ago six trillion dollars. Think of it. And by the way, the Middle East is in what? I mean, it's not even close. It's in much worse shape than it was 15 years ago. If our presidents would have gone to the beach for 15 years, we would be in much better shape than we are right now. That I can tell you. You know, he'll get no credit for this from the Bush-hating media. Because remember, the media hated Bush. They hated Bush. They didn't, now they pretend like, oh, if only we could have Bush again, we'd be so nice to him. No, they hated Bush. They said that Bush was a, an idiot, uh, a moron, a, a that just the constant assault on Bush's intellectual ability was uh, a defining characteristic of the way they car- the, the way they covered his presidency. They were all in unison and all in the belief that Bush was a moron, which, by the way, tells me a lot about the media because Bush is not a moron at all, and the idea that so many journalists would laugh and guffaw and think that that was such a, a an intelligent position to take, Bush is so dumb, Bush is so dumb, is really a much more acute commentary on their own insecurities and in many cases, I think, their own lack of intelligence as well. 
Um, but Bush on the middle. It's, it's interesting because he criticizes Bush or Trump criticizes Bush and will receive absolutely no credit for that from me. They won't say, oh, well, at least he's bipartisan in his criticism of U.S. presidents in the Middle East. No, they'll skip right over that. And they're still seething over his fake news comments. I should also note that the fake news comments wouldn't have any resonance if we if we didn't have numerous examples of fake news in recent months to point to that are all damaging the Trump administration that show that show shallow. What is that? That show a political bias at work. Um, they have given us plenty to work with here. And they're just not honest about it. All right. I want to hit a break a little earlier than usual because I want to come back and talk about the you got the, the two competing narratives for the story of the day. Once again, today. On the right, it's our president is speaking at CPAC, first time since Ronald Reagan that a president has spoken at CPAC. Big deal, big league, huge, all that stuff. That's on conservative outlets. On the left, it's the White House tried to get the FBI to spike the story about FBI investigation into Trump-Russia ties. Not really the way that it went down, though. And we'll get into that right after this break. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show. A tale of two media outlets here. This will really line up the difference in how reporters can approach this administration and their jobs very clearly for all of us, I think. CNN.com's version, and they were the, they this was an exclusive originally. CNN is telling us here that the FBI refused White House request to knock down recent Trump-Russia story. So the implication here in the, in the headline and then supported in the piece, it starts out, the FBI rejected a recent White House request to publicly knock down media reports about communications between Donald Trump's associates and Russians known to U.S. intelligence during the 2016 presidential campaign, according to multiple U.S. officials. Uh, okay, so that makes it sound like this is how it went down. Ryan's Priebus gets on the phone with the FBI guy. Hey, Ryan's Priebus, White House Chief of Staff here. You guys need to say that the media is lying on that story because we say so. And the FBI says, we will not 
because of the Constitution and Thomas Jefferson and Adam Smith and and stuff. And Brent's Priebus is all, no, but we're Trump and we're evil and we're fascist, so you better just do what we say or else. And the FBI is like, no, Mr. President's chief of staff, I don't do the Potomac two-step. Sorry, I don't dance, you know, whatever. Something like that. That's what you're supposed to get from this. Tyrannical Trump administration tries to force the FBI to undercut hardworking journalists of America and the stories, the truth they're telling about the Trump administration. As an aside, I hope that all those who are saying that Trump has illicit ties to Russia and is a criminal and a traitor, when these investigations are completed, and assuming they find nothing, and it is my belief and contention that they will find nothing to support those charges, I hope people will if not apologize for asserting a conclusion without evidence, they will at least back off this a little bit. But we'll see. Uh, so, now, what really happened? What really happened with this whole story about reaching out to the FBI? Here's the Wall Street... I, I read to you from the CNN version of it. Here is the Wall Street Journal version of events. Reince Priebus sought FBI's help in refuting news report on Russian contacts. President Donald Trump criticizes law enforcement agency in a pair of morning Twitter posts. Uh, okay, so Reince sought the FBI's help in refuting news report. A very different headline. Here's how they tell it: A senior Trump aide asked officials at the Federal Bureau of Administration, oh, sorry, at the Federal Bureau of Investigation to publicly refute a news report on Russian contacts, the White House acknowledged Friday, adding that the conversation was initiated by the FBI and that it was an appropriate reaction to what the administration described as inaccurate reporting. Last week, a senior FBI official told White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus that a New York Times report that the FBI was investigating contacts between the Trump campaign and Russian intelligence had been, quote, BS, a senior administ administration official said. So, Mr. Priebus asked the FBI official what could be done to correct reports that the administration considered uh, inaccurate, but was told by the FBI, we'd love to help, but we can't get into making the position, uh, making position statements on every story. So in one case, you'll look at the different, a huge difference in the context and the feel and the background and everything. The facts are roughly the same. But the way they're presented is entirely different. On the one hand, you have the White House reaching out, using its influence, exerting whatever authority it has to try and force the FBI to undermine and discredit the New York Times report on the Trump administration. And the FBI bravely withstood this assault from the White House. It's a CNN version. Wall Street Journal version is FBI guy reaches out to White House chief of staff, FBI senior official, says, hey, that story that the New York Times had was total crap. And White House says, well, gosh, can you like tell can we can we do something to explain that to people? Because right now they because they, this is the only thing that the Russia anti Trumpers have to hang their hat on right now is all oh, the FBI is looking at the contacts between Russian officials. Remember, this is the Russian officials and Trump administration officials in contact. Trump administration says to them, okay, well, 
can you do something about this? FBI says, sorry, man, I, I know it stinks, but we really can't get involved in refuting news reports. But just want to let you know that this is not true because this is obviously very inflammatory stuff and it's not real and you should know that. But we're going to step back on this one. Those are very different stories, aren't they? They, they use the same facts. They use the same approach in terms of how they line up the timelines for them. Well, I shouldn't say they use the same facts because the, there are some facts left out. The very basic underlying fact, the foundation of the story is roughly the same. But the house they build on top of it, totally different. After something like this, forget about everything else we know. How could any honest, truthful person say that there's not fake news? Explain that to me. I, I, I just want to know. Why is one version of the story so different and why does it lack certain details, essential details, I might add, that the other has? It came Maybe it came a little later? Okay, that's a, that's a fair defense that CNN could raise for this. But, but I then ask, why couldn't CNN try to verify those aspects of the story before running it? Wouldn't it be worthwhile to find out who initiated this conversation? Doesn't that in and of itself indicate who is trying to exert influence versus who is trying to respond to information they've been given from inside of the FBI. This is the sort of, this is the stuff that you see. And this is, and you think to yourself, this is why I just, I just want Trump to keep doing it. I want him to keep doing it. How is this ever going to change unless somebody punches the media in the nose like a shark that just keeps coming in for a bite? How are we going to get it to stop how are we going to get it to change? 888-900-3393. Shimon, how much time do I have here? We got to go to break. I'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. All right, Team Buck, we're back. And uh, we're joined by our friend Charles Cook. He is the editor for National Review Online and author of The Conservatarian Manifesto, available on Amazon and fine bookstores everywhere. Mr. Cook, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Friday. Thank you for having me. I should just warn you, I'm at CPAC, so it may be a little loud in the background. Oh, no, that's great. We get, this is, listen, are you kidding me? You're like a de facto correspondent for the Freedom Hut for a moment here, Charles. Thank you very much for making some time for us. So since you're there, tell me, what was it like in the room when Trump gave the speech? Well, it was certainly enthusiastic. Uh, I am, as your know, <laughs> not especially enthusiastic about Donald Trump, but the CPAC goers were, I suppose there was a little selection bias here, if you were a fan of Trump, you were willing to wait in the line, be patted down by the Secret Service and so forth. If you disliked him, you probably skipped it. Nevertheless, he uh, he got the reception he was looking for. There's no doubt about that. I see. Uh, anything in the speech stick out to you as indicative of policy changes to come in the near future? Or did you feel like it was just classic Trump? Just whatever that means to you, that's uh, what it was. was. It was classic Trump. The first 10, 12 minutes were a broadside against the media. Uh, the uh, theme then turned to America first in, in various ways. Uh, he spent some time on trade, which elicited cheers. Unusual for CPAC to see free trade being booed. Uh, but I think the, the movement is changing on that front. 
And then he praised the usual suspects, the police, the army, and so forth. The one thing that was missing, I think this was extremely interesting, given how it perhaps represents the only move that has united conservatism, was any mention of Neil Gorsuch or of SCOTUS. Uh, neither the court uh, nor his nominee uh, made it into the speech at all. I wonder why. Interesting, Charles. I think that's a good place to transition into your your latest piece, which I, I read and I would, uh, as I always do with Charles's pieces, recommend it to everybody on nationalreview.com right now. The Fourth Circuit runs roughshod over Heller and the Second Amendment. As decisions about firearms from appeals courts go, Charles, uh, looking, I, I read this one, I read your piece. This was about as... Wow, I guess we've learned nothing nothing since Heller as it can get. This was pretty astonishing. Yes, uh, it would have been better if this was a product of a lack of learning, but it is, in my view, the product of the Fourth Circuit's defiance of the Supreme Court and of a set of justices, many of whom, it has to be said, have been installed recently by Obama, uh, who deliberately played with words in order to reach a desired outcome. These are not stupid people. Uh, these are not internet warriors. Uh, these are fine judges with fine minds who knew precisely what they were doing. And what they were doing in this case was removing, in the states of Maryland, the Carolinas, and the Virginias, the protection of the Second Amendment from a whole host of weapons, including the most popular weapons in the country, uh, the AR-15 uh, model of rifle. And they do this because they say that these are military weapons, which is is fascinating on many levels. It shows, one, no understanding of the actual mechanism of an AR-15. They don't understand or they don't seem to care to understand or apply semi-automatic as a principle with fire or as a uh, as a mechanism for firearms. They don't seem to get that a, a rifle that just fires every time you pull the trigger is this is of the same lethality all these different rifles that are semi-automatic are semi-automatic and that is true throughout them uh, and there's also as, as you point out in your piece they've ne- the air 15 has never been carried as a, as a standard issue weapon of, of the United States military ever well they play a game they introduce a new test and that test is that if a weapon is most useful in a military context uh, then it can be set outside of the Second Amendment's ambit that, of course, uh, is uh, not what Heller said. Um, for a start, Heller has a common use provision that the AR-15 clearly meets. Um, it also uh, is clear uh, on the question of how dangerous weapons must be treated, or especially dangerous weapons must be treated. The language is dangerous and unusual. Well, by definition, the AR-15 cannot be unusual when it's the most commonly bought rifle and, indeed, firearm in the United States. So they're factually wrong and they're legally wrong. The factual side's pretty embarrassing. Uh, the argument made by uh, the judge who penned the majority opinion is that the uh, AR-15 in semi-automatic uh, can fire 500 rounds per minute, uh, and that this therefore makes it similar uh, to the M16, which can fire 550, 600. That's false. Uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and the U.S. military set the rate at about Uh, 30 uh, to 65 rounds per minute. Uh, The legal question is even more alarming because if you take the view, as the Fourth Circuit did, um, that Heller allows lower courts to exempt certain weapons from protection based on the premise 
that they are most useful in a military context, then there is no weapon in the United States that is safe because every weapon is most useful in a military context. A sword is most useful, a semi-automatic pistol, a revolver is most useful in a military context. Uh, and indeed, as the dissent points out, if you were to go back to the founding era, uh, you would therefore uh, be able to ban muskets under the Second Amendment because a musket was the only weapon that uh, your average colonist or uh, founder had. Uh, and uh, that weapon was, of course, most useful in a military context. Uh, you do the math. Uh, this was uh, a poke in the eye at the protections that Heller is supposed to confer. And I hope, although I'm not uh, entirely convinced that this will happen, that the Supreme Court steps in and, and slaps the Fourth Circuit down. I was going to ask, what are the next steps here? And uh, not to be flippant about it, Charles, but I, I feel like there are some folks within proximity to you that uh, should be pretty fired up about this. I know the the NRA has had uh, its senior most officials in attendance at CPAC. You know, can can you walk can you walk down the hallway there and tell somebody, hey, uh, do you guys see this? Can you do something about this? Because you should. I think there will. So be what a, comes next? I'm not actually asking you to do that, but what comes next? Well, you see. The, the one hope here for the Supreme Court is that the reasoning is so egregious and so offensive uh, to what will soon, I presume, uh, be a 5-4 majority in favor of Heller that they step in. Uh, what the Fourth Circuit did not do here was to say, look, of course these weapons are protected under the Second Amendment, but when we apply intermediate or strict scrutiny, the government nevertheless prevails. It did something quite different. Uh, unfortunately, when other courts have thumbed their noses at the uh, Heller decision, the Supreme Court has been reluctant to do anything about it. If you look back to about a year, a year and a half ago, just before Justice Scalia died, he and Justice Thomas were issuing, and it's unusual to see this, dissent from denial of cert. In other words, uh, the uh, NRA and other gun groups were appealing uh, the uh, unfortunate uh, decisions of the lower courts. Uh, the Supreme Court was saying, no, we're not going to take that. And as part of the legal filings, uh, the uh, uh, Justice Thomas and Justice Scalia uh, were objecting. Uh, well, uh, I'm not sure that that's going to change uh, because if Gorsuch is seated, which I hope he will be, the court will go back to the status quo ante. There will be you know, an, uh, another good originalist judge in the place of a good originalist judge. It will be Gorsuch swapped in for Scalia. Um, I hope that this Fourth Circuit case was so egregious that the Supreme Court will take a different view uh, but it hasn't thus far. So for many people uh, in Maryland who wanted relief from this law, uh, it looks bleak for the moment. Charles Cook is editor for National Review Online. Uh, check out his latest at nationalreview.com. Charles, before we let you go, just wondering, when Charles Cook is done with a long day at CPAC of, re of reportage and uh, doing all the stuff that conservative uh, journalists, writers do down there, uh, your choice at the your your first choice when saddling up next to fellow conservatives at the bar is what? What is Charles's drink of choice? Well, I got teased by this last night by Peter Suderman at Reason, but I actually like Sauvignon Blanc. I'm a wine drinker, so I would probably start with a nice chilled glass of white wine. If you move on to the hard stuff, though, what is what is the uh, what comes off the shelf? I would go for a gin and tonic, or maybe a whiskey on the rocks, maybe black label. All right. All right. See, it's a little bit of get to know Charles, everybody. Charles, thank you for joining. <laughs> Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon.
All right. <laughs> I love Charles, but every time when he says goodbye, it sounds like I've annoyed him. I'm not the only one who thinks so. And I think he's the greatest. He's a great writer and a great guy. But I just think he's always like, all right, dude, see you later. <laughs> In his British way. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So the most famous uh, transgender person in America uh, is Caitlyn Jenner. I think that's fair to say. Someone can disagree, but I think that's a fair statement. And she has a message for, I'm sorry, he has a message for Donald Trump. Play it. Finally, I have a message for President Trump from, well, one Republican to another. This is a disaster and you can still fix it. You made a promise to protect the LGBTQ community. Call me. Uh, why is this a disaster? Very interesting exchange last night um, on uh, Tucker Carlson tonight with a DNC operative, whatever, strategist, whatever you want to call him. Let me play some of this exchange for you. So, I mean, I, you know, I think there are two sides to every debate, including this one. What I, I was so struck by was your tweet where you and I'm reading it now. I woke up feeling so sick to my stomach about the Trump White House's attacks on vulnerable LGBT kids. These people are monsters. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, was Obama attacking vulnerable LGBT kids a year ago before putting this policy into place? He spent seven years as president and didn't do this. Was he a monster attacking LGBT kids during that time? Well... Here's why we can't, and I want to get back in this for a second. First of all, Tucker, if you haven't seen this, I, I think this may be the best debate that Tucker has had on the show. Um, because the, although I will also say this, the DNC guy who is on with him, uh, Zach Pet Petkinas, uh, doesn't make the left's case. He, because he's, he's pushed by Tucker on, first of all, this rule waited until seven and a half years into Obama's presidency to go into effect. It's not even a rule. It's guidance. So this is just Obama. This is the equivalent of the White House sharing its opinion on something, although there was an implied threat behind it of schools losing funding. So it's not really fair to say it's just guidance. It also had the credible threat of bureaucratic force behind it, but okay. But the first question, of course, and I, I agree, uh, this is how I would have let off. And I talked about this last night on radio before Tucker's show. Tucker's on at nine. I'm on six to nine. And you, you can go back. If you haven't, by the way, please download last night's uh, show. It's on iTunes. And you can uh, just you can subscribe to it, which is the best thing you can do. And you can even take a link on the subscribe and share it with somebody. And that would be amazing. Please spread what we are doing here in the Freedom Hut team. So uh, Tucker asks him, well, why is this? And they got away with this on on gay marriage because Obama was was traditional marriage candidate and then he switched and then it was like nothing bad ever happened. And other people who were for traditional marriage, even if they switched, they still had to be crucified. They still were disgusting and a disgrace. Obama, of course, not all the other Democrat politicians, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton signing a defensive marriage act. They're not disgraces. So you get a pass if you're a Democrat, but it's uh, a means of attack against everybody else. Completely intellectually dishonest, 
disgusting behavior from the Democrats. This is why I can't be a Democrat. It'd be so much easier to be a Democrat. I'd go to MSNBC, go to fancy parties, the Vanity Fair, and have a great time. Oh, he's ex-CIA, but he's all about transgender rights and bashing President Trump. Like, let's give him some fancy jobs. I know. Look, it would be better. I probably should, but, you know, I can't. I just can't. Uh, anyway, back to this debate with Tucker and this guy. And I'm not going to get through the full length or as deep into this as I want to. Uh, so we're going to have to come back to this in a little bit, I think. I'll have to put a pin in this. But so he starts out with this rule goes into effect and you act like this rule has been around forever. Um, as we had, we had Matt Walsh on the show yesterday. He said it very well. You know, they decided this like five minutes ago. And now anybody who doesn't agree with what they decided five minutes ago is as this DNC operative on tv says is a monster not needs a little more time will come around to the side of the angels or whatever no no is a monster monster that's what this guy says if you don't think that your 12 year old son or daughter let's just let's keep it a daughter so i can make the analogy you know straightforward if you don't think your 12 year old daughter should have to go into a locker room and change and and completely disrobe next to a 12-year-old boy who thinks he is a woman, which is, these are all statements of fact. You are a monster. And you even had Chris Cuomo over at CNN yesterday, who is among the least intellectually agile people in that network, which is saying something. You have him tweeting out that maybe it's the, because somebody asked him that question. Well, what, what do you say to a parent that doesn't want the 12-year-old daughter to see male genitalia in the girl's locker room? And that was the question posed to him publicly on Twitter. And his response was, maybe the problem is with the parents who should teach more tolerance to their kids. Oh, so now uh, now little kids should have to see the opposite sex's you know, private parts in the bathroom with them because of tolerance. You know what it is, really, everybody? I, I, and it's not fair to call this the stupidity on the left. It's fear. They're cowards. They know the progressive machine has made this decision, and they don't have the guts to stand up and say, this is insane. They won't do it. Not because they're too dumb, but because they're wimps. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 